Well, today on Indie Thinker with Reed Juberman, Disney goes woke and loses its special tax loophole in Florida as a result. But some are kind of having some misgivings about it. I'll show you why consequences like these are not only good, but healthy. And then HBO has a brand new crazy series called Baby that, of all things, mocks reproduction. We'll show how suicidal tendencies like these are going on in the woke culture and even going further with a climate activist who burned himself alive. One can't wonder what the carbon footprint on that must have been. So we'll talk about that and more all on today's show. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking your time to watch and or listen to the show today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I'm feeling a little bit inspirational today. I was watching some clips of uh, Rocky, specifically the Balboa movie, and wasn't that great, but there is that one scene where he's talking to his son, talking about him as a little kid, and of course the kid's blowing him off, but then he starts to get a little bit real, and then the kid starts to finally listen because he realizes that his dad is right. Uh, but he says that it is not about how much life hits you or how hard life can hit. It only matters how much you get up and move forward when you've been hit. Now, of course, that has major uh, kind of significance based upon who Rocky is, if you've ever seen the movies. Um, and then if you've not seen the movies, like what have you been doing with your life? But, uh, but, I, but I've thought about that personally and it kind of fuels the show for today because the reality is, is when you're going through life, you can't do it unscathed. There are consequences. And so we're gonna be talking a lot about today about, about some of the redemptive nature of consequences. And I think this is a show that will be specifically relevant to Christians, but also relevant to all of us. Uh, because I think we need a, a reminder today about consequences and the importance of them and, and, and why they actually make life worth living. Because Disney right now is facing some of those consequences. And again, people have had some, some issues with that. So we'll dig into that in just a moment. But suffice to say for now, I've been preparing for a difficult conversation that I've needed to have. And it's really not like that bad. I've kind of been in my own head about it. But I thought to myself, you know, this is, these are the things that we don't often talk about. We don't often address like having difficult conversations with people, you know, conversations that you know need to be had, but you don't look forward to the conversations because you, you don't know what the consequences may be, or you do know what they are and you know it's not gonna be pretty. It could men mean rending a friendship or ending a relationship or whatever the case may be. Um, we spend a lot of time with pie in the sky and the reality is, is that you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're capable of until you're willing to step into the ring and face those consequences, take the hit and keep on moving forward. So this in a lot of ways does prove who you are as an individual. And it's a good thing that we have consequences. So I find that there might be, and I'm gonna to try to unearth it today, a kind of underlying sentiment within society that wants to alleviate consequences from all of our decision-making, wants to take away all the risks. Perhaps this is why even the left side of the aisle wants big government because then we no longer have to, you know, be responsible for our own decision-making and bear the consequences for those decision-making. You know, we have a scapegoat. We can blame the government for that, the bigger they get. And they want to take that on because of course they're evil and they have bad motives. But suffice to say, we're going to be talking about consequences today and why I believe they are a good thing. So as a Christian, we balance this idea of turning the other cheek and loving your neighbor and all that stuff, but also too, understanding that we're not called to be welcome mats and we are called 
to stand up and fight for what is right in society. So we'll talk about all that and more, but before we do that, I wanna make sure that you know that this show is sponsored by Element Funding and the guys over at the Kevin Blair team. Now, if you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to purchase a new home, these are your go-to people. I've already spoken with you about how important it is to secure your family's financial future, and the way that you do that is by locking in a low, low interest rate. And I've talked with you about the fact that these interest rates are going up. Some of you believed me and you took action. Some of you dragged your feet a little bit and as a result, you've seen interest rates have gone up. I mean, I just looked at an interest rate today on a, on a loan and it's at 7%, guys, 7%. Now this is a special kind of loan, so we're not quite there yet. And you can still score a great interest rate by going over to kevinblairteam.com right now to get pre-approved. So not only will they help you, they will also be incredibly honest with you and give you great customer service. There's nothing worse than calling somebody up and then a week later they call you back and say, oh, I got around to your call. That's not what you'll experience with these guys because they are Johnny on the spot. They are one of the the, the, the greatest companies that, that I know of and that's why they're a sponsor of the show, but also uh, Kevin Blair and his team are people of integrity. I know them all deeply and um, couldn't recommend them more. So make sure you go over there today if you have any mortgage financing needs and check out the Kevin Blair team and then let them know that IndieThinker sent you. So Netflix is down 35% in their stocks. Now this has been happening over a period of time. I don't know if I can trace it directly back to wokeness, but it's certainly the more they do it, it sure seems to be a trend. And then what about this? After spending $300 million to start CNN Plus already a month in, they are having to shut down, which is poetic justice. And then Disney is down 5% in their stock pricing as well as people flock away, uh, flee away from Disney Plus and as they're about to face the repercussions for their their 50 year plus tax break loophole that they've gotten from the state of Florida that was just revoked by DeSantis and the state legislature there. So now they're actually gonna be responsible for paying taxes on things that they were not paying before, and they're gonna have to go through the uh, regular building permitting process in order to build structures, where, whereas before they had avoided all of that. But I've seen, conservatives, and I've seen Christians voice concern over what is happening in Florida with Disney and the unease with DeSantis's move on Disney. And so the show today is dedicated to asking why we live in a world where consequences even exist. First, could you imagine a world where consequences don't exist? No one would ever do anything daring because they would never, there would never be such a thing as a dare. There would be no rewards and no punishments for any of our actions. Some might think that sounds wonderful, right? Especially in the South where it's like, dude, I dare you to blank, blank, blank. Like that could save some lives perhaps, but, but I wanna point you back to the real reality of this with, with an old show. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the Black and White Twilight Zone. So there's an episode and I'm gonna just spoiler alert, alert I'm gonna spoil the plot twist at the end here. Uh, of this old show and it's gonna totally ruin it for you. So you may wanna pause at some point in time or skip ahead once I finally get to kind of what the end of the episode is really all about, but, uh, but I wanna set up the episode for you and then I'm gonna give you the ending. So it's called A Nice Place to Visit, one of my favorite episodes in the series. And it's about a small time crook who, uh, you know, robs banks, robs little mom and pop shops, does some like, uh, you know, uh, convenience stores and that kind of thing. And, uh, and then eventually, uh, the police catch up to him, shoot him, he dies. He goes to heaven, as it were. And there in heaven, he can gamble as much as he wants, he can get any woman that he wants, he can do anything that he wants. He never loses when he gambles. Every woman says yes, he gets everything he wants. Now this is great for the first, you know, 
couple of days. But then a week in, or maybe even two weeks in, he can rob any bank and the police will never catch him. And he can do all of these things and there's never any consequences to it and it's driving him insane. He doesn't care about the girls anymore. He doesn't care about gambling anymore because he can never lose. And then he realizes in that moment that when he finally gets everything that he's ever wanted, that it's more hell than anything. And now here's where the spoiler comes in. You might be able to kind of already tell the spoiler. So he finally goes up to his guardian angel and he says, man, if this place is heaven, I would hate to see the other place because this is miserable. And then the guardian angel responds to him and says, whatever made you think this was heaven? And so the point of the episode is this, is that getting what you want and not having to bear any of the weight of the consequences may be more hell than you think. That you actually getting everything you desire may be hell on earth, as it were. And so the point is, is that consequences are a good thing. And I can't help but believe that we live in a world of consequences because God set these natural laws into emotion. That if you do this, this will happen. In the Bible, it's called the law of sowing and reaping. So in other words, consequences exist to shape and to mold us. So in the case of Disney, I selfishly want them to feel the weight of this move. Why? Because I actually like Disney. Um, I, I used to like some of their kids' movies for my kids, not so much anymore. But in, on a personal level, I was really looking to forward to Moon Knight. I like Oscar Isaacs. I think he's a phenomenal actor. And even though I hate the banal pandering of feminism in some of these movies, like with the Avengers with that all-girl fight at the end, like, dude, who are we, who are we kidding? But I was actually looking forward to, to She-Hulk. But without feeling the weight of their actions, Disney is doomed uh, to continue to keep on going down the path that they're going. And millions of people will continue to leave their, their platform. And they should. So Disney isn't entitled to exist. And they don't deserve tax breaks from Florida, especially when they wish to go rogue. They don't get special rules that says they can do whatever they want and get away with it. So the consequences that Disney is feeling right now is actually good. It could help them change their path. It could be redemptive. And by the way, the LGBTQ whatever whatever community was absolutely happy to make sure that Disney fell on its face when they were not doing their bidding. But now that they are doing their bidding, they're cool with it. So now they call it vengeful and dangerous for the government to attack a company for free speech. Now, I would agree with that, but that is not what's happening. Disney thought they could supplant the will of the people of Florida by throwing money around and extorting lobbyists. Which, by the way, I'm so amused now to see leftists calling on lobbyists for help when they've demonized them for years. I, I know fashion corporations is popular left and right these days. I'd be careful going. Oh, my money Disney. is on the Disney lobbyists, honey. Would, would you? Would you my money is on the Disney lobbyists. Do you think those those state legislators yeah. down in Florida are going to bend to the will of the governor? Did you see no. what Jared Polis said? He'd love a Rocky Mountain Disney. <laughs> I, yeah. um, but by the way, the Florida legislature, the, the state senate, just passed this bill to strip. Disney of it, special. At any rate, I guess we all, to an extent, want the consequences for our enemies and grace for ourselves. But I, for one, don't want to live in a world where there are no consequences, period. So the nightmare of John's Lemon, Lennon's, John Lemon, John Lennon's Imagine sounds, it sounds like hell to me. But yet a small group of vocal people want to usher us toward this kind of hellish vision for the future and want Disney not to feel the consequences for their actions. By the way, this is why COVID made us totally nuts, primarily because it made us face the consequences of our own mortality. We came face to face with the idea that we and others we love could die and there's nothing we can do about it. So if we held any powerful existential ideas as a culture, 
we would have come away with maybe some romantic sentiments about the power of life and the fragility of it. But since we blew God off a long time ago, we rather went quickly to attacking each other uh, for not, you know, wearing ineffective cloth masks and then calling for parents to have their kids taken away from, from them if they refused to acknowledge the efficacy of vaccines that were proven not to be as effective as we first thought. Sure, some became super reflective and valued liberty and life as a gift from God, while others freaked out and did everything in their power to take control over something that for all intents and purposes could not be controlled. We're all going to die as a consequence of life, but it doesn't mean we stop living. We're all going to get our hearts broken by the people we love, but it doesn't mean we stop loving. You may even get intensely angry with them from time to time. You know, I'm amused at this kind of consequence idea because <laughs> what are the consequences? Because I, I did just uh, watch a bit of Justice League the other day, the Snyder Cut, uh, and I, I won't go into that too, too much, but I did watch like the Amazonian culture and how they were, you know, illustrated as some like illustrious and powerful culture. And I was thinking, how powerful is that culture? They're all going to die in a generation because there's no men in the culture to proliferate and continue the culture. It's the stupidest, like, you know, social experiment in the history of the world. They're all dumb. You can't have a society of all women. What, what are you going to do? Like, make every, like, secular man's dream come true and then just bring them in to mate with them? Uh, because you're going to need that if you're going to continue a culture that's built upon just women. That's the culture of Wonder Woman, by the way. Wonder Woman, if you don't know. By the way, she comes from a society of all women because they want to undermine the place of men in society. Well, that's, that's the most suicidal idea on the planet. And we'll get into more of that in just a moment. But wokeism is just truly suicidal. So it seems weird to me that we would say, well, uh, those who are practicing these banal and ridiculous ideas shouldn't feel the full weight of those, of those ideas. So my question through all of this is, are we engineering our life in such a way as to pretend consequences don't exist? And do we not understand that those risks that we take are in many ways the things that make life worth living? Are we trying to deceive ourselves into our own immortality so that we can go around maybe like swords cutting people's heads off and say there can be only one? Uh, by the way, if you don't know that reference, um, then you were born before, uh, you were born after the, the 90s for sure. But, but, but we, it's clear, we don't want to live with our own consequences. But we live in a fragile planet that has real consequences, whether we like it or not. So like I tell my kids, especially my youngest, when he comes by and he slaps my butt and then runs away, when I finally catch up to that little booger and I tackle him and then I kiss all over his face and I say, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, I say the same thing to each and every one of us. In the same way, we need to realize life comes with consequences for bad decision-making and for good, them's the rules. But as we'll see in our headlines today, we'll see that those in society, especially of the left, wish to pretend that the rules don't exist or don't apply to them. I have this thought, and I'm gonna nurture it before you real quick, so I don't know if I'm right about this, but, but I have the inkling that I am. That atheism really is the removal of consequences or the desire to want to mitigate consequences in our life, right? So we will pay the consequences for those things that mechanically are thrust upon us. Like you cross the street at the same time a car is coming, boom, consequences, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and even with the transgender thing, we think uh, we can lie to ourselves about gravity, but about, uh, you know, halfway down 
jumping off the building, you'll realize this is a bad decision in the same way that chopping off parts of our body probably isn't the best idea. We can lie about biological sex if we want to, but we will reap the consequences of those things. In the same way, I wonder if it's not convenient for ourselves to lie to ourselves about God and his existence because ultimately what we're really trying to do is we're trying to rob the bank and get, get away with it. We're trying to live a life where we don't have to reap the consequences for our actions. And that's really what atheism is, is we don't want ultimate justice. We'll take the consequences that are thrust upon us here on this earth, but we don't want for even the bigger issues, those deep, dark issues inside of the human heart. We don't want to pay the consequences for those things. So it just becomes easier for us to dismiss God and to dismiss the absolute, even though we're constantly paying the price for rejecting the claims found in scripture. I can tell you this, right now we're about to see some headlines where we are presently seeing and will continue to see the repercussions for the denial of Christian truths that we used to hold dear and used to hold as fundamental building blocks in our society. So let's jump into those headlines. The baby, and no, not the rapper. Is you wearing the Huggies, bro? These are lies. See, look, today I ain't got on the Huggies. I had the Huggies on the other day. Today I got on the pull-ups. I'm a big boy today. The Baby is a brand new HBO series that's coming out pretty soon. I wanna read the description for you really, really quick so that you'll get the flavor for what this brand new Insipid series is all about. So Natasha is furious that her closest friends are all having babies, but her life implodes when she unexpectedly ends up with a baby of her own. Controlling, manipulative, but incredibly cute, the baby twists Natasha's life into a surreal horror show. She soon discovers the true extent of the baby's deadly nature and makes increasingly desperate attempts to get rid of it. Making things creepier is Mrs. Eves, the 70-year-old enigma who has spent the last 50 years living out of her car and seems to be everywhere the baby is. Natasha doesn't want a baby, but the baby definitely wants her. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so here is the trailer for the new HBO series, the baby. I'd like to go over your statement. The woman fell from the cliff, followed by the baby, which I caught like this. Two police officers are dead, Natasha. A boulder had fallen on them. You think I crushed them to death with a boulder? I think there's something you're not telling me. We'll have a fun time together, won't we? Yes. What? You can trust me with your baby. This isn't my baby, Reese. Well, it is. Are you happy? I don't know. It's just a lot. All the time. Forever. Let's pop him on the table. Just a routine checkup, dear. Doesn't like anyone touching him. You give him attachment issues. He bulldoze your life, destroy your relationships. And when he's got you to himself, he'll destroy you. Gosh, they are wonderful, aren't they? Do you do skin on skin? The bodily connection between mother and child. All right, so as you can tell from the description I just read to you and the trailer that I just showed you, this, uh, this uh, series is more than just a comedy, but rather it's a satirization of motherhood that seeks to mock women and one of their most prominent and important roles in society, that is having children and raising children. 
So the actor herself said this in, in uh, a article about the new series. So quote, when I first read this script, it was so refreshing and it was such a different take on what it is to be a caregiver and what it is for someone to end up with a baby, said the actress who leads the series as the character Natasha. Quote, she didn't want the responsibility of looking after someone. So even though she had this small human bestowed upon her, that wasn't enough for Natasha. And I thought that was something that was really refreshing to see a woman not charmed by a newborn baby. All right, so here again, uh, we see this small human bestowed upon her and that not being enough. It wasn't enough, huh? The responsibility of helping a helpless baby wasn't enough. And we're supposed to think this is what a good person looks like. So that's the suggestion, right, in all of this, that these silly little babies, they creep into our lives and they ruin everything. I'm supposed to be okay with that inconvenience? Yes, you self-centered miscreant. That should just be a part of what a good human would say. But we know that the pro-abortion community certainly doesn't say that. Abortion is not a matter of rape or incest for these people, but simply a matter of convenience. So yes, the left fully believes that a baby should pay for the sexual liaisons of people. If you ask me what a leftist is, I'd tell you right now that it's a group of people that no longer believe in rational truth and that one of the primary ways to tell if somebody is a leftist and that they do not believe in rational truth is this issue here. If they think a defenseless baby should pay for their indiscretions, then you are a leftist. So a couple of things about this series. So one, I think this series is yet another foolish attempt to lie to ourselves about reality. Yes, motherhood is difficult. It comes loaded with a cachet of responsibilities that place impositions upon moms and dads and, and all people. However, only someone who has never had a child or is insufferably self-centered could ever hold a baby in their arms and think anything other than that this is a small miracle that deserves love and attention and affection. In fact, there's a name for women who actually don't feel that attachment to the babies that they give birth to. It's called postpartum psychosis. It's actually a mental illness. And by the way, it's really, really rare. So most people, when they have babies, they see that baby and they love it immediately because they know that that baby is part of them and they have an, an, an ingrained responsibility to it. So it's only normal and healthy to love that baby and want to care for it. So sure, kids are work and stressful at times, but they're one of the greatest parts of life and they actually help keep the world going, oddly enough. So when we stop having them, it's kind of a problem. Uh, the second thing is this, is resentment and the removal of responsibility is really is what's destroying us in the West, not children. So purpose is derived from responsibility. To run from it will constantly leave us wondering what life is all about. So you don't have the right to avoid responsibility. You are given freedom so that you can explore responsibility. The modern left wants to talk about rights all the time. You, I have the right to be called by this pronoun and I have the right to do this. Rights is always about what making other people do something for the left, but never about what they need to do. Very often, I think the distinction between the left and conservatives is that conservatives believe that rights bestow upon them the freedom to, to undertake certain responsibilities. So there's another way you can tell a leftist from, from somebody that's not. But the third thing is this, is wokeism is truly a suicidal proposition. The birth rate is in decline and it shows a troubling trend. Elon Musk just recently spoke about this a while back, so here's a clip of him doing that. Um, yeah, so most people in the world are operating under the false impression that, uh, that there are too many people. 
Um, this is not true. Earth could maintain a population many times at the current level. Um, uh, and the birth rate has been dropping like crazy. Um, so, the, and, and unfortunately, like we have these like uh, ridiculous uh, uh, population estimates from the UN that need to be updated because they just don't make any sense. Um, really, you can just look at say, what was the birth rate last year? How many kids were born? Multiply that by the um, life expectancy, and so say, okay, that's how many people will be alive, uh, you know, um, in the future. Uh, and then say, is the trend for birth rate positive or negative? It's negative. So that's the best case, unless something changes with the birth rate. And here's some stats to accompany Musk. So you can look it up yourself, but the increase in singleness and single living can be directly related back to the decline of religion in the West. And here's some stats about that. In 2021, we experienced the first year since the 1930s where the U.S. population grew by fewer than one million people. Only 18% of American households are composed of married couples with children down by 40% since the 70s. The percentage of U.S. adults living at home with a spouse is at 50% down from 87% in the 60s. 50% guys. Maybe one of the reasons of this singleness too can be related back to climate change. So the UN is calling for code reds and Harry and Meghan, of course, the just the darlings of the left said that they're only gonna have two kids to, to try to limit their carbon footprint. And then you have AOC, the brilliant genius that she is coming out and telling us that in 12 years time, the world will be totally destroyed. Another one of the troubling trends in society right now is according to the Guttmacher Institute, which is a pro-abort organization, 862,000 abortions will take place in 2017. So, and according just to Planned Parenthood alone, 20 to 25% of American babies will be murdered before they take their first breath. And in New York City, more black babies are aborted than are actually being born. So no wonder we're in a little bit of decline. And no wonder we're seeing the birth rate in America quickly decline. But the self-centered and secular view of motherhood that continues to invade all of our sensibilities is this sense of entitlement, this sentiment that our life would be much better without the entanglement of duties that motherhood would force upon us. That continues to pervade all. And this series is just the latest attempt to make fun of something that ultimately will come back to slap us in the face. A while back, I did something about mother scream events. Well, when we constantly try to malign the role of women in society, guess what happens? But here's the point. Ladies, the things on your body called a womb say that you were created to have kids. I'm sorry, it's just a part of biological science. So yes, it's a part of your God-given identity. So quit suicidally rejecting the obvious. Self-harm has been mainstream because we're desperate for meaning and we will go to great depths to find it. Refusing to reach upward to the great things that God has called us to and constantly making everybody else pay for our decisions. And so it is truly suicidal right now that we're maligning motherhood and uh, extolling the virtues of singleness at a time where we need women, especially post-COVID, to understand that reproducing and bringing children into the world is a great moral good.
So we need to quit lying to ourselves about certain realities, which brings us to our next story. And uh, we're going to go to Jada Pinkett's Red Table Talk for this one. So <laughs> accordingly, Janelle Monet comes out as non-binary. Now, if you're asking yourself, who is Janelle Monet? You're not alone because no one else on the planet knows who she is. But this 36-year-old singer came out on the Red Table Talk show, which of course is the podcast for the incredibly sensitive and very private Jada Pinkett Smith, who uses public platforms like her podcast to embarrass her husband and give confessions of her extramarital affairs. So this singer came out on the show by saying this, I just don't see myself as a woman anymore. Oh, okay. Is that how that works? So we just snap our fingers and all of a sudden we're not a woman. For those who don't know, the big talking point as of late is that, that doctors are guessing at the sex of a person when they're born. Now again, this is important to remember uh, because party of science, right? That, that Those on the left are the party of science. Maybe that's, that penis is just a distended female body part. But apparently, adults are also capable of making mistakes because at any you know moment in their history, they can just say, boom, I'm a woman. Is that not troubling at least to anybody? Which begs this question, by the way, what is a woman? So, since they can't answer that question, when she said, I don't see myself as a woman, she was actually making a totally incoherent statement according to the left. The reason I critique this lunacy this way is because we need to hope and pray that people will be shaken from their sacrificial, self-sacrificial behavior. People are trying to pass this lunacy down onto our kids in, the, in their early teens who are truly impressionable. The irreversible damage that this kind of thinking could cause demands an alarm, and it should be sounded by people who have hearts and minds. Jada shows us that low morals people will promote this deadly mind virus and good people need to speak. It's our hope that this insanity will wake some people up, so we must, we must expose the absurdity of these things. because. What this identity crisis is in America is more of a result of the death of religion than anything. People are struggling to matter, and they'll go to great lengths to try to matter. Let me prove it. Uh, let me ask a question. Who is the highest profile trans or non-binary person that you know? So uh, think about this for a moment. Maybe you need to go deep, deep down in the recesses of your brain to kind of get this one. But as I thought about it, at least this was my answer. So maybe I'm wrong here, but I could not think of a single super high-profile actor or actress, singer, or anyone of real note that's trans. My thinking is that the reason behind that is that coming out as pansexual or trans or whatever is nothing else more than to be noticed in a world where, where people feel less and less important. So this is happening because people are searching for meaning. That's why they're doing this, and those who are of note don't need to do it. Whereas we used to find meaning and significance through faith and belief in something bigger than ourselves, we don't anymore. So like Douglas Murray says, take Christianity out and something else will be put in its place. So you can attempt to kill religion, but you cannot kill the deep religious impulse inside of each and every one of us that we have for absolute meaning. We now search for meaning in the dumpster fire of American culture and wonder why we're getting burned by these fires or insanely radical ideas. Speaking of which, our next story will show you that kind of burning taking place, literally. So a climate change activist lights himself on fire outside the Supreme Court, according to the New York Post. 
So this man who was a climate change activist lit himself on fire, was airlifted uh, after doing so, and then died when he was brought to the hospital. So it's a truly tragic story. But, but I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't AOC and Greta Thunberg have to pay for some of the rhetoric that they've been spouting? AOC telling us that in 12 years, the world's gonna end if we don't do something? It's like total nonsense. But then people like this obviously have mental illness and they're truly, you know, freaking out about this kind of stuff. So this guy was apparently a Buddhist himself and a Buddhist practitioner and maybe a, uh, a, a, a priest or whatever. And a priest, Buddhist priest that knew him from Boulder, Colorado, said this, that his death was, quote, an act of compassion, end quote, and not suicide. An act of compassion. These people are totally insane. They actually believe this stuff. Now, far be it for me to like continue to beat a dead horse, but I have to tell you, like, where is this stuff coming from? Coming from? Climate change hysteria, stuff that even the IPCC themselves is not saying, because they're not saying, right? and they have zero models to date that would tell you that the world is gonna end in 12 years. It's total ridiculous nonsense. It's a lie. So what is climate activism really? I have this sinking suspicion that climate activism really is the deep, deep desire for control and maybe a desire for sovereignty, if you want to put it in Christian or biblical language. It's a deep desire for sovereignty, to believe that there is ultimate meaning and that there is a way that we can kind of have control in our lives. Now, Christians have been mocked for this uh, for for since time in memoriam, right? That that Christians just want to believe that there is ultimate purpose and Christians want to believe that their life makes makes sense. And so they turn to some like archaic God and that's why they turn to God is just so that they can believe that their life has meaning. Um, however, deep down inside of the soul of every single person that's ever existed is um, a desire for meaning. So who put that there if we're not created beings with a creator? But nonetheless, we're seeing right now that there is this undeniable urge for meaning inside of each and every one of us and people without the structure of things like Christian faith will resort to all kinds of things like even burning themselves alive and then call it an act of compassion. I'll go back to this idea of climate activism or really climate hysteria as really being a result of uh, the death of God in the American West. Here's why I think that is because what do we call natural disasters? We call them acts of God, right? Tornadoes, hurricanes, and those kinds of things. They're called acts of God. Why? Because they were things that were beyond our control and that we can only try to mitigate the destruction that they cause by trying to uh, build infrastructure and trying to flee those things as much as possible. But they're huge, powerful, devastating forces. And so we call them an act of God, rightly or wrongly. But the point is, is we call them an act of God predominantly because we cannot control them, right? And so climate hysteresists will come out and tell you that the real reason tornadoes are so severe and the real reason hurricanes are so severe is because of climate change and that's why they're killing people like they are and causing so much damage that they are. And again, we are not told this by the evidence. It is possible and highly likely that there is some ways that climate change could cause natural disasters to become more intense. But even the IPCC will tell you that they cannot directly relate devastating natural disasters to climate change specifically. They have no way of knowing that. So why do we have climate change activists like Mark Ruffalo coming out and telling us that we will continue to kill people 
because of climate change if we don't, like, I don't know, get a Tesla or something like that. Like, go get a Tesla, sure, fine. I want one myself. If you buy one, get another one from me, send it, and I'll thank you for it. But nonetheless, it is not, it is, it is nothing more than just simply an attempt to wrench control back into our hands to say, we can control the severity of hurricanes and tornadoes. Things that are acts of God that we have no control over. We're trying to wrench control of those things back into our hands because we obviously can't admit that God exists. So we have to try to find a way to control everything, even the things we can't control. Those things that we used to put in God's hands, we can't do that anymore because he doesn't have hands because we've tried to kill him. And so now we have to take things back into our own hands and in the process we become totally insane because we can't control them. Sure, recycle, sure. Do what you can to try to mitigate climate change and to reduce your carbon footprint. Take care of the earth. But friends, we're still going to see unexplainable natural disasters that we can do nothing about. And we will reap the consequences for those things because they have and will always exist in a fallen world. Now we're trying to explain it away is the real deal. And it's causing people their life. And the other thing is this, is the death of God in the American West is just causing common sense to die. I believe I can directly relate this back to, uh, to specifically Christian faith in the American West, but ultimately to the reason and the logic that springs from the Enlightenment that, yes, was carried by the church. In fact, the places to first really develop the academy were, uh, were Christians. And, and, and the deep desire to read the Bible caused uh, the almost insane uh, elimination of illiteracy and in, in the history of the world because people wanted to read the Bible and especially the Gutenberg printing press when it started printing those things out um, at rapid pace, illiteracy started being eliminated. So, so I, I know that's probably a pretty out there kind of, kind of analogy for how I believe Christianity is the adaptation of common sense. Um, but but I, I guess what I'm just saying is this, is that if we keep on seeing the culture shift leftward away from Christian principles and common sense dying, then, then we may have to admit that there is a correlation between common sense and Christianity. So I, I, and of course I'm thinking of things like the biological reality of male and female. I mean, the very first, you know, portion of the Bible in the book of Genesis, that beginning book, you know, with the snake and the tree and stuff that people make fun of, but yet it was saying stuff that now people are calling patently false that we all know in the scientific community to be true, that God made them male and female, right? This is stuff that was happening in the book of Genesis that we've known for thousands of years and now we're trying to reject this common sense thing and we're seeing the results of that, right? So I, I could go, go on and on and on and give you examples about how we're just that, that it's funny to me now that we're seeing people like Bill Maher, who was an atheist, and James Lindsay, who was just recently on my show. Go back and check that episode out. And other people who are strange bedfellows, even like Douglas Murray, who I already mentioned, who is a, who is a gay journalist from, from England. Um, these people say things like, hey, you know, Christianity is going to be replaced by something, and you may not like what it's replaced with. So these guys who are not even Christians are saying, hey, common sense seems to be dying the further we get away from these things. Now, you may not like everything about Christianity, but, the, but there is a correlation here that we're going to continue to cut off our nose to spite our face, just like this unfortunate guy did with burning himself in front of the Supreme Court 
Um, we're gonna continue to do stuff like this if we continually fight and rail against the common sense that we can find in books like, like the Bible. All right, let's move on to our final segment, Christianity Not Today. Today I'm giving you a blast from the past for a very good reason we'll get to in just a moment, but I bring you an article from Desiring God all the way back in 2017. And the headline says this, Do you trust Disney with your kids? Now, Desiring God is Pastor John Piper's organization, and in order to see how well this, this article has aged, I want to kind of put it within the context of what we've just started to see from Disney totally going off the rails. So let me show you the article first. So the article says this, quote, Life has imitated art as outraged parents have responded in recent days to the announcement that Disney's live-action production of Beauty and the Beast which opens this weekend, will feature the company's first exclusively gay moment. Suddenly, our beloved childhood classic comes to life as yet another arena in which we have to vigilantly guard our children from the adult world. Or has it been sudden, the writer asks. And then she goes on to quote somebody, the bemoaning has been clear, quote, I was excited to take my child to see Beauty and the Beast, but now I'm not so sure. I can't believe they would try to sneak this agenda into a children's movie End quote. And so the writer goes on to talk about that statement. Such statements have me scratching my head. Oh, really? N not because I don't believe that parents should exercise care about what their children view or decide for themselves when to introduce and discuss topics like homosexuality. What's surprising to me is the idea that now Christian parents are saying they won't blindly take their kids to see Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So is it really so surprising that parents are saying this? And, and I have a bigger question for you. Is that what parents are really saying, that they wish to blindly take their kids to see Beauty and the Beast? Isn't it a fair assessment at least to say that they want to see a movie that's made for kids free from homosexual messaging and that they should be able to relax and watch a movie with their children? Is that so much to ask? Is that really unreasonable? The implication here is that Christians are the problem because they shouldn't be putting their kids on autopilot. Really? When Beauty and the Beast in its original form came out, it was perfectly watchable for families. Rather, the fact that Christians have to come to expect their content to have this kind of content is way more problematic to me. I swear, there was a dude in the Bible, and I, I can't place his name right off, but I'm telling you, he did teach us to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not to get used to corruption in the world like we so often have. So the writer goes on to say, quote, Now they're drawing a line in the sand. Should this really seem so new to us? My parents never took me to see a movie without looking into it first. When I got older, it was my job to do the same research to see what we were getting into before we went. Okay. So I, I don't understand what the writer's saying because actually these parents are doing this and they're bemoaning the fact that they're finding these things in the movie before they go to take their kids to the movie. And they're lamenting the fact that they shouldn't have to see this in a kid's movie. So the other thing is this, is that yes, I have to say this is new because it is new. This is kind of an agenda that's more blatant and overt than ever before. And we should wake up to it. If art imitates reality, then what we're seeing is a sea change that demands that we lament and act. Instead, we get articles like this blaming parents for Disney's transgressions. 
Yes, parents need to be hands on deck, uh, all hands on deck, but is, is that really the problem? I hear the cry of parents more as a cry for something better. Yes, for the, the Disney company to message in a healthy way to their kids. What's wrong with that? I mean, we should desire places where our kids are safe and we don't always have to be on guard. Namely, because there was a time when Disney was that place. They're not any longer. I'm sad that Disney has lost their way and is more interested in agendas and entertaining a vocal minority rather than entertaining children. But the article goes on to say this, nor is it news that homosexuality has been and will continue to be normalized in our society. Disney, Disney is not the big bad wolf here in our society's collective storybooks. Increasingly, it's Christians who are viewed as the weirdos and the bad guys. Genuine believers in Jesus are more and more in the minority. And it's time for us to stop acting like we think it's the mass media's job to cater to us. Our calling as exilees is to go into every movie, song, book, and conversation with our eyes open. We shouldn't become outraged because of the words of a director, likely looking for publicity, stirred up controversy about his new film. So first off, just again, it is Disney's job to cater to us. I'm sorry, that is their job. They are in the business of serving families and parents, family entertainment. That's what we pay them for. When they stop doing that, we call them to change out of the kindness of our heart as the last resort before we throw them to the wolves for what they're doing, which is probably where they belong. I'm sorry, I will be waving no white flag or bowing to any idea that hands our children over to transgender story hour and Jacob's new dress. Our calling as exiles in a foreign land is to remember that every tribe, nation, and tongue belongs to God. It's our job as Daniels and Ezekiels in the land to lament and reform. The reverse of that is the kind of thinking that got us into the mess we're in in the first place. Again, I hope the time lapse from this article until now serves as a reminder that the kind of Christian thinking found in this article in 2017 is a disaster. Remember, this was before Disney tried to fight the parental rights and education bill. And it was before the all hands meeting that Christopher Rufo showed us where they say that there is a not secret queer agenda and that by 2023, 50% of characters will be LGBTQ. And before we heard that Disney no longer wants to call people ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, because they want to be inclusive of aliens from another planet, I suppose, because boys and girls are the only kind of children that exist on this planet. All these radical leftist ideas have progressed at such a rapid pace because the term exilee in a foreign land has become an excuse for Christians to sit back and watch the world deteriorate, go to church and wait for heaven. So here we are many years after the article and Christians still faint when it's their time to fight. Christians still push off battles for the future generations to fight, making it harder for our kids to win. If we blame Christians as pearl clutchers and pitchfork wielders, rather than validate the very legitimate remorse they should feel over the godlessness and brokenness of our world, then we will never reclaim the land that God rightfully called ours, no matter how foreign it seems. So all I can say in response to that article is Christianity, sorry, not today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.